for the day. The weed has kicked in. The coffee has kicked in. What was in that coffee, bro? You tell me, how you brought it. Five shots. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another episode of the award-winning Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. Brought to you by Grasshopper. I'm Steve, your host, with Caesar. My co-host. <laughs> and joining us today in the studio is a very tall white man. Oh my God. He looks like a fucking Viking Bro, dog. we made it. We got white royalty. He introduced me into a name I've never heard in my life. Waylon Jennings. <laughs> Waylon Jennings. What was the song that we were listening to? We were listening uh, to The Highwayman. Yes. The Highwayman. Bro, hi, you're listening to The Highwayman. Brought to you by Waylon Jennings. That's a cool name, Waylon. <laughs> Brian Fong. Welcome to the Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast. Let me let you know you are one of five white people that have been on this episode, on this podcast, rather. Ooh, yeah. Welcome. Let's give it up for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brian Vong is well. Brian Vong, a little bit about you. You are a longtime uh, veteran in the industry of ours. You are currently running the show front of house for Fall Brewing. AKA my favorite brewery in all of San Diego. Dave Lively, I love you. <laughs> Vong, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I grew up in San Diego, born and raised. Ooh, shit. That's so, a rarity. Let me hear let me hear you order something at a Mexican drive thru. Go ahead. A Mexican. Si, bueno, ¿qué yeah, quieres? Yeah, you pull up right now to Roberto's. Oh. Let me see it. How may I help you, sir? Probably just like three carnitas tacos. Oh. Three carnitas tacos. What do you want on them, bitch? Guacamole. Guacamole. Okay. Seventeen ninety five at the window. <laughs> Damn, oh, got him. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. Ooh, hey, dog. Why you got his shit on the leader? Times are tough, bro. Prices are going up. There's vessels sitting off the coast of Long Beach right now. Everything's more expensive. Relax. Brian Vaughn, longtime San Diego resident. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more. I'm intrigued. I don't know anything about you. I know the highlights. I know the highlights. Yeah, I've just been in the industry for a while. Did some craft cocktail bartending. Um, made the jump from there over to the brewery side of it. And nice. Loved it ever since. Fall Brewing has been around now for seven years. Seven as years. officially as of yesterday. Felicidades yeah. to everybody involved. Yourself, Long, you are Thank you me. are an intricate piece of that staff. You run the staff, rather. Been Anything in front of house. What is it like being a front of house guy? I mean, it's pretty awesome. And whenever people see me, they usually think I'm a brewer because, you know, like you said, being a big, tall, white guy mm-hmm. with a beard. Did yeah. you see mine? I have them. I keep <laughs> yeah. them in the cellar. I don't let that motherfucker up. <laughs> On my business card, it says, not a brewer. Mm. Just, yes. just so people, people know. know. Yeah. I tell them where I work and they're like, oh, how often do you brew? I'm like, never. I don't go back to that. <laughs> That's Dan's world. And he does a great job at it. I would just go back. Shout out, Dan. Do too much. Tell us a little about how and where you started here in San Diego. What got you into this scene of ours, this industry of yeah. ours? So I used to work for FedEx. I worked for FedEx for like six years. FedEx ain't shit, bro. UPS, <laughs> Por Vida, Holmes, hey, UPS. Hey, I mean, hey, I know what can Brown, do for you. Like all of the things. Hey, yeah. Everything you can't. Oh, shit. That was aggressive. <laughs> that was aggressive. You popped the mic a little bit there. Now let's settle down. Let's settle down. After that, I had some friends in the industry who just kept kind of encouraging me to go and get involved in it, telling me that I had the personality for it. I don't even know what that means. But, you personality know. for slinging boxes? Apparently. Slinging awesome. No, no, to get no, out no, of slinging boxes. Sling. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, man. Drinks. That, I was going to say, that's kind of like a backhanded <laughs> insult, bro. I was like, oh, you've got the personality to work being in that alone. Van, being in that truck all day, like 12 hours a day by yourself, you just, some wild shit. Did you ever put in time during like peak season right oh, yeah. now? Yeah. All the time. Isn't it the worst, bro? You get there at four in the morning. You're what? Four in the morning? I'm yeah. eating lunch at four in the morning, bro. Well, he was delivering. I was delivering. Oh, was delivering. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn, it is early. Yeah. Oh. So that didn't last long. That lasted a good amount of time. What made you want to leave that? Because usually those kinds of manufacturing warehouse jobs are unionized. Personal reasons. Just wanted to be involved and, you know, get to talk to people more. Like I said, being alone that long. Every day, it just wears on you mentally. It wears on you 
all around. So just wanting to get to talk to people and just be involved in that. It was something exciting and new. Enter Brian Vong into the San Diego beverage industry. Yeah, beverage yeah, industry. Say, Thank hospitality, you. Hospitality. Hospitality oh, industry. Yeah. What was your that's first what, taste? That's when we like to sound fancy. Though. What was your first taste in the hospitality industry yeah, in San Diego? I, I interviewed at Craft and Commerce down in Little Italy as a busker. Great, great spot. And uh, they hired me as a bar back. So mm-hmm. apparently they, they liked how I interviewed. So That's awesome. Yeah. They, they brought me on over there. I worked there for about a year as a bar back and then they promoted me to a bartender. And then as soon as they made me a bartender, they're like, fuck this. We're, we're closing it down. They're going to remodel. So... <laughs> They sent me over to the Soto and Swine and Liberty Station. Great spot. I worked there for a while. And then after about like a year, year and a half over there, I went over to Plate Provisions. You You just worked at all the bangers, bro. I worked there for two years. I got my way up to AGM over there. And then I really liked what Fall was doing down the street. I liked that that aspect of like a neighborhood spot that, you know, you know, your regulars, every time I walked in there, everyone knew my first name. It just made, it was so welcoming. And then the ties to the community and everything like that. I really wanted to get involved with that. I feel like those are the parts of a brewery that actually make it long lasting and give it success. That's why I'm a big fan of fall. You know, a a lot of what I modeled here in Chula Vista was like what they're doing at North park, you know, I grew up in Chula Vista. I wanted to make sure I brought something here to the community that's not already readily readily available. I know Fall did something similar like that. And they're very, they work, you know, they're very networked and connected into everything that is San Diego. And Dave Lively's been a San Diego boy all of his life. So he's very well connected in this industry and in anything going on. So just anytime I hear somebody talk about fall or working at fall, I, I want to pick their brain because it's like, that's fucking awesome, man. Like, how is it working? How is it working with like a Dave Lively type? It's great. I love Dave to death. Like, I love him like you would someone in your own family. He's been there for me in different aspects of my life. He's definitely a boss that really cares about who you are and what's personally going on with you. And I'll never be able to repay him for some of the stuff that he's done for me personally. So how long have you been at fall? Three years, three fucking years. You lived through a pandemic at fall. I did. I how did. was that, man? How, how did you guys manage to, to maneuver your way through a pandemic at fall? I, I think for that, just from my aspect, we all, we always had something that was tangible to give people to take home, you know, having four packs, six packs, crawlers or anything like that to give people something, a little bit of comfort from what they would get when they would come in there and be able to enjoy that in their living room. That was a big part of it. And I think being able to adapt to that and see that that's what kind of people were looking for wanting and, you know, get cans out there and get that to them. That was unfortunately not everybody can make that happen. You know, we have friends, we have homies that lost their business during the pandemic, you know, and then it was, it was a tricky dance. You know, we were were forced to dance something we've never danced in our life, you know? And the only upside to it is that we weren't unique to that situation and all, every motherfucker was going through that. There was not one business that didn't go through it. How can you explain adaptability to a scenario that's never existed before? That's, that's, that's treacherous. Well, Better look, figure it out. Do now, like with everything at the ports being shut down, yeah. and then them trying to get that back up to everything shutting down, and no one wanting anything to production ramping back up, and everyone wanting it. Yeah. Like, well, we need to get caught back up. Like, how has so, it been trying to get caught up with reopening? It, you know what? It's going fairly smooth. It's been busy. Yeah. You know, I mean, as soon as we shut down, I was, I was a little bit frightening. Like, yeah. what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Okay, we kind of figured it out. Everything is to go. Okay, crawlers, four packs, cases. Let's get it. Oh, home delivery. Let's figure (laughs) that out. Let's get it done. And as soon as we opened up again, I feel like the whole scene, the whole San Diego scene, at least, it just blew up. It just took off. So ready to get back out and just be out and be seen and just. How has it been welcoming people back into the tasting room after so long? It's been awesome. Everyone's been super nice. Just seeing all those familiar faces and friendly people. Everyone just kind of checking in and seeing how they were doing. Like we had regulars that would still come in throughout the pandemic and 
just ask how we were all doing, ask for our email addresses and just like reach out personally to make sure we were all doing okay. And it's stuff like that that just makes it an amazing place to work at to where people are so invested in what's going on and everyone cares about that. We totally got an opportunity to just like, I feel like the pandemic brought the breweries together. I feel like there was a sense of unity, a sense of like, hey man, what do you need? What can you help? What can I help you with? You know, you can help me like this. Sharing ideas. Yeah, sharing sharing capital. I mean, I I was constantly hitting up um, David at, at Border X for like crawler stuff, right. you know, because everything with crawlers was backed up. He Remember, had a, a surplus of lids, yeah. you know, you know, at one point I had a surplus in fucking crawlers, yeah. like period, you know, like everybody was back, back ordered in the States. So I went south of the border out of Frank Sinatra <laughs> and I got myself a connect down there and he would send me a pallets of uh, crawlers to the point where I had a surplus. Like, well, what would you need? I got you fling, flung, flung, making up. money on the side. <laughs> I was selling it like, it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We did what we had to do to survive. We got through. We're here. I'm fucking stoked that you guys made it through because fall for me got me to fall in love with craft beer in San Diego. I've tasted all of the beers that are available in San Diego. This industry here is over 25 years old, you know, from the days of Stone, Coronado, Carl Strauss, all of those things. Like it's been there for a while. But for me, I feel like the one brewery that did it for me was fall. You know, and you guys just celebrated your seven year anniversary. Hey, Tell, felicidades, felicidades, bro. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You just celebrated your seven year anniversary. Oh, felicidades. Number one for a reason. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how that's been. <laughs> Which part? All of it, man. <laughs> How's the seven yeah. years been for you since you got there? What did you start at when you came in? I started at fall just being behind the bar, pouring beer. It was a big change of pace it was awesome just going from doing craft cocktails and shaking tins and working those late hours like i wouldn't get done with work sometimes till three four in the morning when i'm getting out of there and to have that opportunity to go and pour beer which you know learn that aspect of it and learn everything on the brew side and it just made it very exciting it was something new to me and that's a trip to me because i didn't realize how early in your career i met you yeah because right I got a chance when I was still at Hess to go and do a beer pairing dinner with beer cocktails mm-hmm. at Craft Craft and Commerce, and I specifically remember this. I'll never forget meeting this man because I went in to talk to Brianna, his now beautiful bride. And, Felicidades! And uh, Brianna told me as I walked in, "I'm really sorry. I got double booked of the meeting. I have management here, but sit down with my bartender. He'll keep you entertained until <laughs> I get back." Her exact words, and I went. All right, cool. And I went and sat down. Within five minutes of talking to this guy, man, I was like, I love this man, and I want to make sure that I stay a friend with him. Like he was just, he was just witty. He was welcoming. We were just shooting the shit, like because you know sometimes when you go sell into a new account or you're trying to plan something, people don't always come across as very hospitable. You know, oh, people it's have so attended backwards. Yeah, for being in the hospitality industry, there's sure a lot of unhospitable well, people, especially bro. when it comes to buying, man. Some people put themselves on a pedestal, and you know they it's they, beer. They hold that over you like they control your fate and your destiny and it's like take it fucking easy you need a product i have a product and a transaction let's let's just make this as easy as possible but it's not always that way but he made it that way and we had not only a fucking super dope menu that we created it was a fucking awesome event that we packed out and then that just happened to be right around the time that i was getting married so i actually made them part of my bachelor party and we went in there for dinner and that's where uh, (laughs) that's where i fell apart during my bachelor party because we ordered one punch ball, so then two come out. I was like, oh, okay, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing you know, shots are coming out. No, I'll like, Oh, bro, yeah. Because I was doing a good job, man, because we did 
11, 12 stops during my bachelor party. We had almost all that of many. South. Yeah, bro. Jesus Lord. We just hit all of North Park and South Park, man. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, that, they were stop number seven, and the rest of it I barely <laughs> hung the beginning on. Beginning of the end. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> 11 fucking stops. Yeah, bro. man. It was cool because people couldn't make it through certain parts of it. So we're like, all right, let's just keep it going. And we never went like more than one drink. Like, cause we started at Hask where I was working at the time. We had a beer there. Then we went over to fall, had a couple beers. Then, you know, we traveled and went a couple other spots and then eventually ended up there for dinner. And whoo, but yeah, (laughs) I fell in love with Brian and Brianna that day. So it was super dope when I was working at fall. And one day Dave goes, Oh yeah, I brought somebody new on. I think you know him. And you know, I'd see him in the brewery periodically. And when he walked through the doors, I was like, Give me a fucking break. I get to work with this guy now because, I mean, I respect him a lot. I love what he does. And he is as personable as they get behind the bar. People fucking instantly gravitate towards him. Damn, bro. That was like- trying to be genuine. Well, there it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it is it, it is tough to be genuine in this oh, industry, oh. man. You know, There's a lot of it, especially being behind the bar, being genuine, being kind of that sense of empathy or just hearing people out. Everyone's yeah. just trying to sell you something, trying to get you- What's your favorite part of this industry? The community aspect of it. Mm. the idea of like having somewhere where everyone will gather and try and get around and just share thoughts, ideas, or talk to one another and just being that kind of like safe, common space for everyone is. What's your least favorite part about this industry? The arrogance. When it's everywhere, bro. Yeah, I know. It is fucking <laughs> everywhere. Knife. Oh, man. <laughs> I went from, well, it's like craft cocktails, like when you're making them, there's still that level of arrogance of people. Everyone thinks they're better than the other mm. person. Like, Oh, I'm a better bartender than you. I make better drinks. Cause there's such an idea of like identity with it, that they define themselves by whatever they're creating. Cause you do get to be creative and come up with things, but then everyone's like, mine's better than yours. Oof. And that attitude of it just is very off putting. But then you look at craft beer and it's the same thing too. Like, Oh man. You yeah. Talk about like old beer or anything like that. And there's that, that idea and that area. I've been around longer. Oh yeah, I've I've done this more than you have. I've done. What was the first beer you drank? Plenty the Elder. Uh, <laughs> it's not how it used to be. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember man. the original Sculpin? It's it, it's crazy, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of arrogance in this industry. There's a lot of like people clicky. want to feed their egos. It's man. very clicky, and it's like the cool kids think they're hanging out with oh. each other because they're their cool kids, and then it's like whatever. <sighs> One thing that I emphasize is like, fuck, we just do ourselves, man. We just keep our head down, keep grinding, and, and things usually just end up working out the right way because, you know, and, and to know that, you work hard and, and thing, good things will happen, and they do, and we have, so we want to continue going with that. So, I mean, you guys have been open now seven years, bro. Yeah. That's that's an accomplishment in itself. And this Huge. industry, seven years, I remember when we opened the brew, I was like, fuck, I just want to be open three years. <laughs> like if we hit three years, it's like, all right, cool. We did it. But you know, it's got to start. Set yeah. Those small goals and small keep marks, them. bro. And then, you know, and then we, you've made it through a pandemic, right. you know, so fucking, you know, pat on the back for that. Shit, man, you, that should count for two years. Right, bro. <laughs> Shit. And then you make it post pandemic, which is like, okay, now the, the, the labor, that we had at one point is no longer all there. Like, is that something you guys had to deal with when you reopened or is everyone ready to roll? Everyone was ready to roll. We, like I said, the, like the idea of like at fall and everyone working together, we're very, it's kind of like a little mini family. Everyone kind of looks out for one another. Everyone's very caring and loving. So it's just when it was time to reopen and start bringing people back, everyone was ready to come back. They wanted to get back and get involved in what was going on. even now, like going through and hiring, we opened up our second location. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been there yet, the man. Golden Rhino Room. Tell me about uh, tell me about that second location. Where well, is it located? It's in South Park on the corner of like Fern and 30th. Um, or not Fern and 30th, sorry. Juniper and 30th. Juniper. 
So that's awesome. Dave put in a lot of work himself, and that's another thing that I admire about him as a boss. Like he's one of those guys; he's willing to roll up his sleeves and he gold leaf the rhino all by himself. You know, he hangs every poster in there, and just how much attention to detail he's willing to put in there is very admirable. The guy cares about his craft yeah. a lot. He puts a that lot. attention. To it. When you're like the, are you the tasting room manager? Is that okay? So being the tasting room manager at the fall location in North Park. Are you also the tasting room manager for the newer location? Yeah, I go back. How hard is that, man? It's not that difficult. So I get to work with a guy named Kevin Jackson. We call him Poop. Hey, El Poop. Poop. Shout you out know, to Kevin. I love you, man. Poop. Yeah, he's amazing. Like he's really, he's been doing this longer than I have. And he's really been willing to share anything that he's learned. He, you know, he lets me figure it out for myself, but he's always willing to kind of lend that hand of like, this is what worked for me. And hopefully it'll work for you. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big thing that, you know, everyone could benefit from more is like, Hey, like this is what I've had to go through. And this is what, you know, worked for me and hopefully it works for you. And that's not even just in that, but like all aspects of life. I know like Caesar's done that for me and other things as well. So just laying that kind of groundwork and that blueprint for how to succeed. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people in fall, man, that that was their first foray into the craft beer industry. Mm -hmm. And Kevin specifically, man, I remember him being, Bar back, bartender, bar manager. Oh, he, he was a door guy at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. When Lu Louise brought him in, didn't very Louise, intimidating looking. Louise was <laughs> Louise was a door guy when I went. He to is bar. very intimidating looking. <laughs> Louise, he's just fucking beautiful. Just because of his hair, bro. He's like, whoa, man, this yeah, guy looks scary. Start thinking Marvin Gaye to me, but oh yeah, no, and it's <laughs> and it's crazy watching those guys now because look at the careers that they've built on that. So I think that's the one dope thing about Fall is that he's right. You know, like everybody looks out for one another, and they'll give you a platform to build yourself up on, and I, that's that's. Fucking dope. Yeah. For people that are looking to get a job at a place like Fall, what is it that you, the person interviewing them, looks for in a potential candidate? Uh, interviewing anyone, I've got to do it throughout, just whether it be a plight or at Fall or anything like that. I always like to ask people what they're bad at. You know, you sit down and interview and everyone talks Interviews. about those things. That they, <laughs> no, they talk about those things that they succeed at or where mm -hmm. they excel. And it's always hard when you hit someone with that, like, all right, so where do you struggle? And every time you ask that, they look at you wide eyed, like, what do you, what do you mean? What, yeah. what am I supposed to be? Am I supposed that? to be honest about this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I always try and tell them, I'm like, personally, I struggle with asking for help. Like, I'll take too much onto my plate until I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to tackle all of this until mm -hmm. finally I feel a little frantic. But even if I would just ask for help from the beginning, it would it'd go easier. So De learning the power of delegation with yeah. your title. Yeah. And then letting them know that they're like, oh, like, okay. That's where he doesn't succeed. So everyone will like kind of break it down to like where they need help or different areas because together, you know, even for scheduling, you kind of look at that aspect of like, all right, if this person struggles with this, but this other person excels at that, why can't I get them to work together? And it'll make everything go easier. Mm -hmm. Let me pick your brain. You've been in this industry for a long time. You've worked in both non-brewery and brewery environments. You've been on the managerial side hiring. You obviously probably had to counsel people people throughout the years. Have you ever encountered a situation where it's like, because we, we live in, in an industry where drinking is just, it's there. Yeah, You know, it, 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 it's one of those things. And I, I always think about this and I keep an eye on it here with, with staff and people that I know, but we are surrounded by vices as it relates to like drinking 100%. and alcohol, liquor. So it's like, have you ever been in those situations where, cause when we work with people, it's a family environment. Yeah. We've become very close to the people we work with. And it's just very weird that sometimes, you know, we celebrate these things and it, it goes, you know, just kind of swept under the rug. Yeah. Oh, whatever. For sure. I've been in those environments where, you know, people are self-medicating or mm -hmm, anything like mm -hmm. that. They pick their vices and they kind of just choose to run with them. Like, it's impossible to get away from. You're just surrounded by it. And you see the joy. Like if, if you're on the other side of the bar 
and you're serving people, you see them having a good time yeah. and how excited they are to consume, whether it be beer, alcohol, anything like that. So you're just kind of like, I want that. I want to be as happy as they are when they get their drink. And you choose to just try and dive into that. And then at a lot of times it's just comforting. So I just seem it's like that. That's like the dark side of our industry. That's rarely touched on, but it's, 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 it's real, oh, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, hundred percent. It's, it's just crazy to me. Cause it's like, my mom, and I started thinking about this the other day because my mom was out. Don't you feel a little guilty? And it's like, you run a bar, you know, you have a brewery, you know, it actually wasn't my mom. Like, <laughs> you run a bar, you have a brewery and, and you, your, your podcast is sponsored by like a, a marijuana facility. So it's like, you know, you're involved with all these vices. It's like, you're pushing these vices. Like, you know, somebody at work, don't you feel a little guilty? I was like, no. Mm. I mean, you know, cause I'm, I'm not force feeding these things no. down here. These are just options that we are offering you, yeah. you know, I was wondering about you because you are in the managerial position, you know, you get to see all those things. I just try and be there for everyone and try and check in on them and see how everyone's doing and just try and personally be there for them. I think a big kind of issue with the industry, what I personally think is that, you know, you build these kind of surface level relationships with people, you know, <clears throat> hey, how are you? How's your day going? <clears throat> you know, and you, you learn to talk to everyone like that. But then when it comes down to actually talk about what's going on or what's hurting you or frustrating you or anything like that, you don't know how to communicate any of that because it's been drilled into you not to. Don't make the guess. Like if you're having a bad day, check your attitude. You're on stage. Yeah. Your yeah. personal you life doesn't perform. matter when you're on the clock. So right. when, yeah. when do you go to talk to anyone about that? You know, my wife and I will always talk about how it's like, you know, even being a brand rep or anything like that, it gets lonely. Like you have to build these relationships with people and always come across a certain way, whether you're representing a brand, whether you're representing an establishment that you work at, anything like Caesar that. Caesar can speak to that, man. You're, you're out you there more than anyone you. I know. Yeah. You have to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's put, like you said, you put on a brave face, no matter what, it's like you have a job, you have a, you have something that you're supposed to sustain day in, day out, every hour, every fucking minute. And sometimes it's overwhelming, man. You just want to get in the car and shut down. But I do think that speaks to where you get better at developing these hardcore relationships and it's more than just that surface level facade that we happen to do because it's part of our job because i can speak on us man like we check on each other all the fucking time the you know time. it's texts it's calls like hey man how are you holding up and we can be honest we can be open about it because you know it's so easy to just be like man yeah man great everything's awesome man yeah. just fucking yeah we're killing it right well it's now. like the comedian mentality you know yeah. some of these comedians are so fucking on point and awesome and funny and the way they deliver but when you start peeling back those surfaces, a majority of the comedians, boy, they're, they're tortured souls. Like sure. they've gone through some shit in their life. They've, they've just had through losses. They, they're, they're just dealing with demons. Yeah. In our industry, I always akin it to the same thing. It's like, we're always expected to be on when the doors are open and the beers are flowing. Yep. You know, it's like, you don't want to come to a bartender and be like, Hey, Mr. Vong, how are you? And you're like, hey, fuck you. You know, you're like, you're, you're going to just, by. yeah. You know, it's like, no yeah. man, it's like, bro, I'm good. Here it is. I'm just yeah. look at this tasty ass fucking beer. <laughs> I want you to try the, you know, all, all systems go lager. Volume two. Volume. Volume numero dos, you know, oh, yes. we're expected to maintain a certain uh, persona yeah. when we're here and it got tiring for me, man. It's exhausting. I mean, I, I, the brewery is now five, four years old. And for the first three years, I was here day in and day out, day in and day out for all of the things that we needed, whatever I, I was here and it got very tiring. It got very overwhelming, always putting on a, a, a happy face, 
where it's like, yeah, operating a new business is stressful as fuck. Yeah. You know, opening a new business is stressful as fuck. It's like, oh man, will we make payroll? Will we make this? Will we have enough for that? Will people show up? Will people do this? Right. And all that anxiety and all this to the point where I was like, I gotta, I, I can't be here. You're four, dude. I said I hired glasses to be our tasting room manager. Like, bro, I need you to take the bulk of shit that goes on in the tasting room. I just can't anymore. I got to go home and, and spend more time with the kids and it's the wifey. Overwhelming. That anxiety level is getting up there. And it's like, you know, even if you have something that happens on a Sunday, how do you check on him on Monday? Bro, this is coming from home. like <laughs> su two successful breweries, you know, two breweries that are, you know, all things on the up and up, yeah. you know, I can, I could not imagine being on in my side if the brewery isn't doing as well right. and all of those anxieties and pressures start mounting on and it's like, Oh, uh, uh, I just, for me, where I was, I was like, I can't, man, it was mentally draining for me. Yeah. And I was happy when I was able to find somebody that can take those roles over and I can just pop in and pop out, get, I can do what I can do, what I do here from home, bro. Yeah. You know, I just got to come in, make sure the money's all right, make sure this is that. I have my partner. He takes care of all of the beer. You know, I take care of basically all of operational and back house stuff and anything mm -hmm. dealing with marketing and business. Now glass is going to take up everything in the front of house. You yeah. know, for me, that feel like where that's, that's where the major drama ensues because yeah. you're dealing with a lot of personalities. People aren't the nicest people anymore. You know, people are, they're, they're very demanding. They're very privileged the way they walk around and, well, and, especially right now, you had, you know, almost a year of people being at home doing things how they wanted, when they wanted it mm -hmm. done, you know, just that amount of control over their own lives. And then have to reintroduce themselves into society and have those expectations. Like, you know, I, I keep hearing that frustration comes from unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's never been more true than now. Lower the bar. Yeah. Lower the bar, and man. Get those small goals. Yeah. Just tackle them. Take them on. It seems like a well-rounded guy. I think I like him. <laughs> I think I like him. What makes a happy successful tasting room Ooh. staff go ahead i would say if, if your staff is happy and you make sure that you're taking care of them you know helping them with their schedules reaching out checking in on them making sure that they're good not overworking anyone a big thing that was always preached to me was you know that ability to still go and travel and let us know with enough time and you can get that time off and go and do what you need to do and you know taking care of things for everyone else because individually yes they're working with you and you know, maybe for you at sometimes, but there's still people and you still want to make sure that they're good. And I think for me personally, struggling with things that I've struggled with over the years, it's built up that empathy to like want to know how they're doing and make sure that they're good. Because if you have unhappy people behind the bar, you're going to have un people, unhappy people sitting at the bar. For everything we've talked about being like the dark side of our industry, which there is, man, there's a, yeah. there, 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 there's a lot of things that we can definitely work on and improve here as an industry we have that much and more on the positive side. I oh, mean, yeah. like you said, man, the, we, we are fortunate enough to be in an environment where everyone is excited to come yeah. to the place that you work. I can't wait to go to this brewery or I can't wait to go to that tasting room. Yeah. You know, I look forward to going to fall. I know I'm going to run into Brian Vong working behind <laughs> the fucking bar and he's going to, he's going to take care of me and he's going to smile and, you know, bust a couple jokes. That is awesome. Yeah. I feel like what we do is very easy. Yeah. You know, the, the, the yin to the yang of what we were just talking about, how the dark side in this is that, yes, people who work here are generally happy people. Yeah. Because what are you doing? You're slinging beers. You're telling a joke or two. You're getting to know the people that are in front of you. And they're going to pay you for that. Man. Holy shit. And that was another big thing, flashing back to when we were talking about the decision to leave craft cocktails and go into the brewing aspect of it or working at a brewery is the perception of the public, whether or not you're making a drink for them in it. You know, you're destroying your body, just shaking cocktails and standing on your feet for that longer, pouring a beer to public. So the public perception is like, here's a dollar. Here's a dollar, a dollar per drink. It doesn't matter if it's a $14 cocktail or a $6 beer. 
they're going to tip you the same. And that was another big part of it too. Well, this is your opportunity to tell the, the, the public a little bit of tasty room etiquette. <laughs> All right. Just be nice. What do you expect from the client? Just be nice. Just be nice. Yeah. If I'm selling you five it's a roadhouse mentality, you oh, go ahead. Just be nice. <laughs> if I'm selling you a beer and it's $7, how much do you expect from a tip? I don't expect anything. I expect whatever people can afford. That's my tip. guy right there. See what I did? That was a big thing. When I first started too, is just like, I know I talked about it right now, but like, you know, if you're signing over a check and like you hand someone their check for them to sign, don't even look at it until the end of the night because it, don't let that ruin you. Don't judge what someone can afford because you know what? If they're coming out and that's all they can afford to tip you, then just be happy that they gave you that. Yeah. So that was a big thing. And like, they're still supporting your business. Like, it's yeah. hard to draw that parallel between like, oh man, I'm offended by this because. It, it always comes back around though. Yep. Like you'll have those people that come in and they'll over tip. You have people that come in and they might not be able to afford it at the time. But you know what? It's like a big thing for us is, you know, not even at fall, but just in it, like, when I worked at Polite, it was like a bartender's handshake. Like, oh, like here's a shot or anything like that. Or like, here's a beer shot now. And it's like, you know, I don't want to be tipped for everything. Like some of it's just like, let me do something nice for you. Like, mm -hmm. And I give you this, like, why can't I share this with you? It doesn't always need to be monetary and money exchange for it. Yes or no? Do you agree? <laughs> I'm a bad tipper. I just do it all at once. I do, like As soon as the bill comes out, just boom, I'm done. I don't, I'm, I'm horrible at like continuously giving tips, drink for drink. For drink. Oh, well, for I, think, drink. I mean, I don't see that much anymore. No, I mean, almost everywhere you go, you, you pay at the end. Yeah. Even like your your bar, the Elwood, that's cash only. But yeah. once you know the bartenders there, they're good about telling you you're going to be here for a bit. Let me run you a tab, yeah. and then you settle up at the end. And then, but I feel like most people in this industry are really, really good about tipping because we know this, the hustle that goes into it. We know the long hours. We know that it's not just shit. You know what your rent is. You know what yes. you're trying to get. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. And you know that most people, what their hourly and salary is and where they need to make their money and their tips. So I feel like okay. that's the one thing that this community does have in common is the majority of us, when we go out, we know to take care of one another. And like you said, it's not necessarily because it's like an expectation. It's that reciprocation of like, hey, man, I know you would expect the same thing from me. And, yeah. you know, I'm here to support your business. And as much as you're going to take care of me, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I show you that appreciation. Another thing that I want to talk about tasting room etiquette. Okay. People who are in the industry and they come in and they expect the discount. How do you handle somebody who says, hey man, I work at such and such brewery. Do you guys offer a industry discount? I usually ask them where they work at and then I'll give it to them. Yeah. If they want the discount, if you're willing to ask for it, then yeah, take it. Is that a bad show? I don't, I don't know. Like, when people come Listen. in here, we give it to them because I always tell people, Chula Vista is different, bro. Like we're, we're very new in this scene, you know, and sure. it's, I live, we live in a bubble. But there's a difference in the way you talk about it too. Like if you're closing out and it's just like, oh, like I really loved, you know, oh, I really love all systems go too. You know, at the brewery I work at, we have a similar logger. Be like, oh, well, where do you work? But you kind of peppered that into the yeah. conversation. You sure, sure. Show that. a little tact when you're, when you're getting that discount, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. Hey, uh, what's your name, Brian? Uh, hey, Brian, um, I work at uh, Carl Strauss. Um, what kind of discount do I get here? Whatever. Yeah, that's, that's there, crazy because like, I've had that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Damn, why you calling Paul Segura, bro? Paul Segura, bro, <laughs> local legend. All right, I get it. I get it. You tell me every fucking time you're here, Paul. I get it, you know? Show a little tack when you ask for this <laughs> thing. I think it's big. Everyone just take care of each well, other I mean, and try and be good. And I, there was a discussion about this recently with some industry people. And, you know, where we think some of that, that forceful, 
aggression of like, hey, I deserve this might be tacky to us. Someone brought it up to me like, hey, you never know how much they're struggling like we yeah. talked about. So what if they are like relying on that discount because they really can't afford to go out, but they're trying to get as much satisfaction and they're still trying to support your business. So that's for them. It's not tacky. It's just, you know, they, they need that in order to survive because it, this is a very well-known fact that this industry is not somewhere you go to make a lot of money. You know what I mean? So, and because what <laughs> I know you guys have breaking custom, news, you guys have custom fucking Porsches that you drive around with your right. iron fist plates or iron. <laughs> oh, Jesus Lord. I got a really funny text the other day from my youngest brother. He texted me. He was, he was out somewhere. I think he was at a restaurant and he, he texted me and goes like, Hey, this is my bill. What should I tip? And I was like, Oh, I would valid question. I would tip this amount. And he's like, okay, thank you. And I'm like, why were you asking? He's like, well, I just wanted to make sure that I, I I'm known as a good tipper. Cause I want to go back, <laughs> but you know, he's trying to let him know, like tip what you can afford. But at the same time, he's 19 years old. It could get stressful. Yeah, it could get stressful. There's a lot of rules, bro. There's a lot of rules of going out and drinking. There's a lot of rules of going out and eating early on. Like, that is, that is a weird thing to fucking try to identify with and trying to be known as someone that is a good tipper. Well, and- you don't want to like under tip and then be like, Oh, I'm coming in in two weeks. You go in there and they look at you like, this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the audacity. Of this this is my opportunity to just like kind of like pick the brain of a tasty room manager, bro. For sure. You know, I was like, I enjoy this right here. Yeah. At what point do you cut somebody off, Brian Vong? Ooh, that's a good that one. That is a good one. I would say you can definitely tell when someone's had too much, whether they're slurring their words, whether they're a little wobbly when they're moving around. Singing Katy Perry songs. <laughs> a that's, majority of them. <laughs> that's a telltale sign. Yeah, the glazed over look, the glassy eyes and stuff like that. You know, even another coworker that I work with named Marlene, she's a big person. Like she, she kind of told me she's the best at letting people know like, Hey, you, you might've had a little bit too much. Like, I think you should, you should be taken off soon. Have a water. Yeah. You just acknowledge that they're having a good time, that they're out and celebrating. You don't make it a negative thing. Like, Hey, we're going tomorrow again at 11. So. Hey, Andrew WK, <laughs> take it down a notch. Have a water. All right. Okay. <laughs> the best. My, my brother got cut off at Cantina My Well one time. And I just remember the bartender looked over and he gave me a look and I knew that he was Sauce. I'm not going to serve him anymore. So he's like, what's your brother's name? I was like, Brayden. He goes, okay, Brayden. Hey, I think your bed called. You should uh, go check on it. And my brother's like, what does that mean? I was like, it means you look sleepy. And he goes, yeah, I am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right, bartender. Uh, again, <laughs> it's time to go. Like, there's a very tactful way to go about everything. You know, you don't, you don't fucking keep a stack of fucking uh, AA cards on you. No. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> you know that again, you because you, you, you want people to keep coming back, but you also don't want them to act a fool. You want it's a thin line, safe. bro. It's a crazy line to kind of like straddle Fuck. back and forth. You want to keep the party going for people. Yeah. You don't want to over party that no, person. You want everyone you know? to make safe, responsible decisions, it, especially when they're leaving. And yeah. on the other end for ah, us, man. You bride vlog. <laughs> Look at this guy. On, on our end, I know that all of us have definitely had that mentality creep in when we're out and about and we're thinking about the places of business that we represent mm-hmm. and the way that we're acting when we're out and about, you know, well, not you cause you don't leave your fucking three bars. <laughs> no, bro. That's very fortunate. I don't, I don't go anywhere. Yeah. I don't what are they going to say? You own them. Yeah. <laughs> hey bro, you've had enough. <laughs> Have I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, your lifts outside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, I, I am the king of buying people lifts and being like, your car is here. Uh-huh. What? Your car is here. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> but you know for us i think all of us I, I mean dude i i am notorious and my friends hate me for it but i will fucking just dip yeah. because i know I've irishgoodbye.com over here bro oh, you get it yeah. done every time I do, bro, i'll be like from one second you will be sharing like a story then i'll be right back dog then i come back and say, 
Where's Caesar? Dude, he got in his Uber a while ago. He's gone. <laughs> like I, he was just here. He's like, nah, he's gone, bro. Yeah, you just gotta go. You know I just, to I know. Yourself. Yeah, I, I know when I've reached that level, and I don't want to act like an asshole. I don't want to overstay my welcome. And I also, again, always live with that in my back of my head. Like, fuck, you know, I'm a representative of Virgin, and who else would I? What if I piss somebody off? Or yeah. when I work for you guys, like, you don't I don't want, want people going like, hey, dude, your fucking sales rep was in here acting a fucking fool. Like, you know, come on, show some better etiquette than that. Like. That is a responsibility that I hold on to. And I'm not, I'm not fucking perfect. I'm sure there's been times where I've gone overboard. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, Here comes our, 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 our resident Viking. Our resident Viking, I, Kevin this, Lewis. This is my favorite segment in every fucking show. When Kevin comes in and says... Anytime Kevin comes in, it's usually with libations. And he's yeah. trying to let us know, hey, man, where's yours, fool? Kill the Poor Veterans Blend. Kill the Poor Veterans Blend. Available when? You know what? For not being a beer podcast, this episode really is a lot about beer. This one today. And I'm okay with it. Because, Brian Vong, you're a good fella. Cheers to you, sir. Cheers, good, sir. Well, tastes like beer. That's delicious. Damn, that's super earthy, super dank. That's that veteran's blend? <laughs> and a little crab sabro. Ooh, sabro, man. Underrated. Oof. All right. Beer is beer. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm not a big fan of it. I've been around it so long now that it's Steve like Garcia, it's, the owner of Three Punk Ales. I'm just kind of <laughs> I love all of our beer, all of our, except the barley wine. Kevin loves barley wine. Oh, it's, bro, it's, not it's, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. We just did one, and everyone's like so amped on it, and I'm like, I am excited to go sell it. I am not <laughs> the biggest beer fan, and I feel that it's developed over years of being one around beer, and now just actually operating a brewery where we all we do is slang beer. Yeah. If I worked at a taco shop. I'd like to say I wouldn't be tired of burritos, but I don't know. Don't you fucking dare. I know, bro. What do you drink when you go home? Do you drink anything? I really don't. Bucanitas. Yeah, well, bucanitas. Um, once upon a time, I used to go heavy. I used to go heavy a lot. When I first started opening the brewery, you know, like I, I used to drink more. But now as of late, as I've gotten older, I noticed my, my uh, what's the word called? My uh, tendency? No, my... Capacity to handle my liquor. Tolerance. tolerance. Thank you. Oh. Right. <laughs> you see it down. Yeah. Sounds like uh, my, my, my tolerance has gone down, you know, and I'm like, and I feel like it's because I don't drink as much anymore. I'm assuming beer just makes me feel heavy. You've been smoking. Yeah. I smoke a lot. Yeah. I smoke a lot of weed. Thank you. Uh, Grasshopper for providing me with all of the things I need. GHbuds.com. 15% discount with your Emo Brown social club card. Oh, you know who needs to get his gear while he's here? Goes that Brian Oh, we read that <clears> name this I'll morning. trade you. <laughs> One idea for another. If you have to run this up the chain of command, I get it. I got Dave's number. What's up? <laughs> Emo Brown Social Club comes with perks, as you will soon realize. Yeah. Emo Brown Social Club comes with this little thing. It's an Emo Brown card. For those who can't hear, let me play it for you. <laughs> That's what happens when you drop your Emo Brown Social Club card at Three Punk Ales. Machete. Uh, Manhattan, the Elwood, the, the Grindhouse, Hobby Days, bo uh, Bottle Rocket, uh, South Bay Tap House, house uh, perhaps Sanctum after we meet him this week, Yo. next door, Cruiser 41. Cruiser 41, yeah. What's it going to take to get a nice little accessibility That's above my pay grade, at a facility but, uh, like Fall? <laughs> I would say reach out to Dave. I'm going to have you reach out to Dave. <laughs> you, are a, you are a member of this exclusive club remember, now. Remember the never meet your hero? Right? <laughs> you are a member of this club now. And I expect you to act accordingly, <laughs> Brian Vaughn. Here, think fast. There it is. The vi fucking with those fucking mitts you got, bro. 
There's not much you can catch. Oh, Jesus, man. Lord. Finding a, a wedding ring was a pain. Yes. Oh. I don't doubt it. I couldn't find mine after the first year. It was crazy. Uh, the <laughs> you views don't. expressed by Steve and Brian do not necessarily reflect the views Wife of the knows. Wife, he knows I lost my wedding ring. A wedding ring does not make a happy marriage. I really hate to break that news to you guys. Yeah, like I need to know that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Listen here. Let's 16 years married. Look at 16 years married, one year with a fucking wedding ring. You know, and it's like, people, oh my God, is your wife mad that you don't have a ring? I was like, she doesn't care. Like, nobody cares. It's a fucking ring. I know you know? she runs the show. Oh man, I'm afraid of my wife. I, 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 I'm afraid of your <laughs> wife. <laughs> I am, I'm, a, I'm afraid of both of your wives. That's all I know, my all, wife's amazing. All I know is Mexican <laughs> wives. All right. Shut hey, up. sir, don't assume I do not mean my wife is amazing. My, <laughs> my wife is a little too amazing where I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I have imposter syndrome at home. It's like, I'm a horrible husband. What's going on here? My wife takes it to the next level every fucking day. And here I am just schlubbing around like from job to job, get home and I'm useless. You know, that's a shout out to my wife. I love you, Wapa. <laughs> Keep raising our family. <laughs> Take that card and use it with all the honor and oh, privilege. Well, it is, are, we do, are we doing the With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, you know what, bro? Yeah, you know Lively. You should reach out to him, dog. Thank um, you. should reach out to him. See what listen, he's doing. Listen, I should have asked him Saturday because Dave was in rare form and I might have been the he only one. feeling time. some type of way. I've never seen that man dance, but he got that. When you when you know that play the funky music white boy song? That was him. Hey, real, real talk, bro. At what point do you consider a brewery to be a successful brewery? Like anniversary speaking wise, you know, put, 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 man. put aside finances, put it like a milestone of years. Like what, what, what's a good, what's a good gauge? God damn, dude. Even making it to the second or third year is huge, already. Man. Yeah. I think so. I don't man. doubt it. Especially here. The struggles that come with it, man. And everyone has their own struggles. Like, you know, you guys, like you said, well, what's the terminology you always use that you're the, we're the, the fish. Price. We're the Fisher Price Brewing of the South Bay. You know, you know this this market, the demographic down here wasn't necessarily you know, a hundred percent on board with having a craft brewery in the community. One, they didn't really know what it was. But then after a while, North Park started popping up with breweries because this is fairly new in Chula Vista, and, and that's when I'll swing the conversation. Mm -hmm. Fall was one of the first like neighborhood breweries, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to really establish themselves in the middle of apartment buildings and homes. Like that's a whole different animal in itself, you know. Like most places, you expect to be able to find readily accessible parking, and that's a huge turnoff. I've never been to a place like Fall with parking not existent that people don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. They're gonna find a way to go. They're gonna find a way to be there because they love it. It's part of their neighborhood so in it's in every place in its own right like you know Bergen, we're in the middle of nowhere in carlsbad you're not going but to you carlsbad kill it in Village. distro you know that's where i feel like but you, we kill you, it in our tasting rooms too man. but i feel that your cans being in the marketplace is sure. something you know you have a killer product but we had to get to that we had we had to get to that yeah that's what thing, i'm saying you know like you 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 they brought you over obviously it was a fucking aside from slain white women you really know the craft beer <laughs> game dog you know you know what you're doing this fucking okay. guy do we have to mention that every episode <laughs> anytime you sit next to me playboy i'm gonna bring it <laughs> For you guys, it's a different model. You know, your oh, model sure. is not a neighborhood model, no. at least the initial main flagship brewery. It's, it's funny when people like, you know, there's still people that don't know about Burgeon and I love that. You know, people are like, oh, doesn't that make you mad? Like you've, you're a big enough brewery. And I'm like, no, because technically we are about to celebrate five years. Mm -hmm. But when I explain to people where we are and they're like, we're in Carlsbad, I'm like, do you know where Brassy Ranch is? Because you know where Beat Support is? No. Do you know where the airport is? No. 
There's an you airport know, up there? Yeah. <laughs> Literally across the street from me. Yeah. And then, well, do you know where Legoland is? Oh, yeah, I know where Legoland <laughs> is. Okay, we are on that road going to Legoland. And they're like, wow, that's out there. And I'm like, yeah, but we have our dedicated hardcore group of, you know, we have a cool cult following. And so again, everyone has their challenges that they overcome distinctively on the how set how they set themselves apart. So I, I think just, man, reaching year two is dope. I think three is probably the one that I look at where I'm like, dope, you overcame the first yeah. two year hurdle. And then that third year where you really like come into your own. Cause I think at that time, that's when you're really starting to figure yourself out what your business model is. You know, you and I have had that conversation about how different you and I are and what we try to accomplish. You know, you're, you're feeding the South Bay. You don't have the luxury of like wanting to expand everywhere. I don't want to distribute. Exactly. You know, I, I don't want to get in the game where I'm fighting for, for shelf space or, you know, like fighting. But, for and the, you don't necessarily need to mm-hmm. though. You, you have enough beer to service your tasting room. And, and that's, that's all I need. You know, then, so long as the hood has what I what we're offering, that's really all. I mean, because I took that model that Dave Lively put into place and said, you know what, in Chula Vista, that's gonna fucking work. You know, because mm-hmm. that's where I'm from, and where am I every weekend? We're in North Park, we're in downtown, we're in North County. You know, or I used to finish, visit his breweries wherever he went, bro. I would go to. You know, he work he works now at Iron Fist. Ah, I guess we're going up North Vista. Let's go handle it. You know, so we would be going, and it's like. We got to have something like that down here. Yeah. Something yeah. like that's going to work down yeah, fabric here. Fabric in the community. You know, and yeah. And, and I yeah. feel like to an extent without like patting ourselves on the back too hard, we fucking did it. Yeah. Like we, we set ourselves up in the center of our hood and our community. We give back to our community. We work well with the people that run our community. And in turn, it has become like a, 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 a is it synergy? A, a synergetic relationship where we are kind of like keeping it moving. And I'm proud of that, man. And you know, we've also talked about, the second side of it, you know, as much as we want to say you're successful because you've been open so long and you make good beer, the marketability component and the way that you promote yourself, you know, I think that's where fall Mm. really fucking shines. You know, Dave's fucking wheelhouse is definitely the presentation. Like, I haven't been there for two and a half years and half of my closet is still fall here. You know what I mean? Like the man just makes killer fucking stuff. And I love it because I know the people there and I want to support them. And you know, that, that marketability goes a long way. I mean, and for what it's worth, fucking a third of my closet is goddamn three bucks because you know, this is, it's not only the love for my homies that I want to support them, but it's the dope marketability and the fucking shine that you want to fucking throw on somebody and look for what it's worth. Look at what you guys are doing down here, man, for you to have, P.O.D. coming in, man. And fucking Marcus is here every weekend now posting about it. You guys have B-side players coming in, man. You guys are doing a beer with Fools Gone Wild. Like, We talked about that a month ago. You don't remember? You were high as shit. Jesus Christ. We have $5 million in our hand right now amongst the three of us. All right? We have $5 million to start a brewery. What are the major components we have to fucking focus on to make this a successful business? Make it a six, five million dollars. Actually, that's a big parachute. How about this? We say? have one million dollars okay, to yeah. start a brewery, dog. What do we really have to focus and allocate the majority of these funds to to make it work? Oh, I'll tell you what's not going to work. Gone are the days of opening a brewery in an industrial warehouse facility. Yeah. I feel like that no longer works anymore, uh, especially with everything going on with like social media mm-hmm. and everything like that. We, we were one of the last few that was able to capitalize on yeah. that. So. It's no. difficult. But you have something that uh, 90% of the other breweries don't have. You have killer fucking beer. Yeah. You know, and I feel like That's killer was... beer, it will always find a way. I think to Dump me- money into your product. That is the key ingredient is having good beer. Um, equally as important is having good people representing you, man. Like the way you hire goes a long 
way, man, whether it's your tasting room staff, your tasting room management, your sales reps, like the people that you put out there that represent your brand goes a long way, man. Sometimes people will buy beer just because they know, oh, so-and-so works there. Dope. Done. I'm going to yeah. give it a shot just because that person is there. I'm going to pay attention. So. Brian Vong, you have a million dollars. Where in San Diego are you opening a brewery? Maybe not even San Diego. I would open, I want to open up a brewery in Long Beach. I think that would be Beach. Awesome. All right. All right. I love it up there. Um, there's a few good breweries in Long Beach. And I've, I even that, I still do feel that they're underrepresented yeah. in the brewing market out there. That's a, not a bad pull. Caesar, where are you opening a brewery? Million dollars, mind you. Oh, man. Honestly, dude, I, now that I've been spending so much time down there and falling in love with that area, I'd love to go somewhere down there, right in between you know, Del Sol and San Isidro, mm. where, where Ben and Cesar are out down mm. there, man. I love that community now, man. The more I spend time at Hoppy Days in South Bay Tap House, that's insane to me, man. Like, right down the street from, from Cesar's place, my aunt still lives there, man, like three blocks. And I never in my life would have imagined that off a of Dairy Mart Road, an exit before the fucking border. U.S. border, yeah. there would be that much of a calling. Flavor. It's insane, man. Like, their anniversary party, you know? It's- well, that's the thing that chaps my hide, you know? That's what really bums me out, Caesar. <laughs> you know, is that when we were opening down here, bro, is like, everyone's like, why are you opening a Chula Vista? Like, you know, Mexicans don't drink craft beer, bro. Filipinos don't drink craft beer. Black people don't drink craft The South Bay as a whole doesn't drink craft beer, doesn't appreciate it, mm. you know? Those were all lies, you know? Because all those breweries, that, that, was, that a was a The results of the test show <laughs> that that indeed was a lie. Thank you, Maury. But in, fa- in fact, and I bring this up always because for me, that was our first marker. That was our first victory, Brian. Like our first victory was like people telling us, no, no, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're pissing your money away. It's an ignorant move. Don't do it. No one's going to follow you guys. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Now- some of those same fucking assholes, some of those brewery owners that told me not to are reaching out to me saying, hey, man, what's it looking like on 3rd Avenue? You think there'd be space for brewing? And I'm like, mm. I mean, like five years ago when we jumped in, maybe Turn six, you know, next episode to find out who bu- 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 yeah, like is. maybe six years ago, bro. Like right now. No, I, I feel like it, it's, it's jumping in now. You better come correct. You know, you, you, you better come correct with what you're doing. You know, Chula Vista Brewery slays, kills it, did their thing. Us, Slate, we doing our thing. You better come with it. Because yeah. if you're coming now, people have already gotten used to and accustomed a certain way of doing things. Some of the biggest, most important features of 3Punk and Chula Vista being, I could say, successful down here is that we are from here. Yeah, We are very tied into our community. We know what our community is about. We know what we want. We know what we need because that's who we are yeah. and we are a part of it. So when I hire to like address what Caesar's saying, I hire for the community. Mm-hmm. Like my tasty room manager, my Brian Vong is actually a Chris Glasses. You know, he's a man from the, the South Bay. He has great customer service skills. You know, he's learning the tasty room manager position. And it, mm-hmm. you can attest to this. It's a difficult role dealing with personalities, dealing with all the components of making it work. It's a difficult role. And one thing that we do a little bit different than fall where we break away, where we start kind of diverting from what fall does is we have a lot of events, music, in-house music events, you know, Mm -hmm. like down here, people understand the importance of having TVs, Mm -hmm. understand the importance of having a a, a DJ in the tasting room, a live performance in the tasting room, you know, because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. When you see our fucking crest and it says Familia, Cerveza, Musica y Fiesta, 
it ain't a fucking gimmick. Like that's what we were raised on. We were raised on backyard barbecues, carne asadas, all of the things where it's your family, it's beer, mm-hmm. it's music, and it's partying. Like we're, we're, we're out there doing it. So when I hire for here, or when we currently even hire from, we're wanting to make sure that we are plugging a hole that we need to be plugged, that you're hitting that you know, and, and, when, yeah. and, it, and it's, it's a tough role, but it works for us. So let me, I think that's an important question. And I'll start with you, Brian. You guys are known for your particular business models and what you do well. How do you sustain that? How do you keep it going knowing that everyone is trying to replicate or carbon copy or try to, you know, how do you take that into account and don't lose what made you so great? Are you talking about me personally? Or well, yeah. You, 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 man, you are the mouthpiece you of are, fall brewing, dog. Yeah. You are you Dave Lively. Yeah. <laughs> you I, are Dave Lively and Kevin put together. No. Metatron. You are. <laughs> I want to say the name. Oh, he who shall not be named. Why would you do that? I, no. I had a brain fart. I had a brain fart. You no, are the man. I, you are the guy right now for fall. No, I think Dave and Kevin and all of us together, we try and do a great job of just, you know, continually changing over and keeping things up to date of what's going on and you know following we have a meeting every monday where we go over like where the trends are with what's selling most in the tasting room what's selling most in the market Mm -hmm. things like that dave of course with his amazing background in graphic design trying to keep merch up there keep visibility going is something that's helped us sustain for seven years and hopefully will keep us going longer than that like we talked about earlier if you see the cans on the shelves in you know, your local grocery store at a liquor store like that, you might be more apt to just be like, Oh, let, let me go check out the tasting room or the brewery. Cause mm-hmm. it's right down the street. So the more that that keeps going on, the more people are going to come in. We always have an opportunity to hit a new market, to hit someone else that might not have known where we were or what's going on and continually flooding that with product, whether it be shirts, hats, you know, beer or anything like oh, that. I just mean, the visibility of it. <laughs> your visibility is widespread, <laughs> man. And the people that support you, like, you know, like my boys, Mikey and Jeff, man, yep. like you, those guys are in Vegas. Those guys are across the fucking nation, oh. always rocking fall gear, man. I had a buddy one time FaceTime me in New Orleans and he's like, Oh, I didn't know if you were going to answer. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, look who I'm with. And he shows up and it's one of our old regulars that would come into fall and he's wearing a hoodie. I'm like, oh, how'd you guys run into each other? He goes, well, look what I'm wearing. And they were wearing the same hoodie walking down <laughs> Bourbon Street. And they're like, you go to fall? I go to fall. Like, how do you know that? Yeah. even That's levels unlocked right there, man. Like, That's awesome. The day I had a friend text me a picture. She was at a coffee shop up in Oakland and there was a sticker on there. And she asked him, she was like, oh, how do you, like, where'd you get that sticker? Do you go to the brewery? And he goes, I used to live next door. It's my favorite brewery. My wife drives down every month and brings me back up beer and merch. Damn, and hell and yeah. Like, That's nuts. Yeah. Tell you, bro. When you get that cult following, you connect with your people and your regulars. That's something that's irreplaceable. Yeah. A brewery is, okay. And I always say this. Quality beer is quality beer. That's the fucking buy-in to getting into this industry. You know, as soon as you have a quality beer, at that point, you can be like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to open a brewery. <laughs> After that, man, in San Diego, everybody's got quality beer. I mean, you we're know? lucky enough. I know Dan's producing some amazing yeah. beer. Shout out Dan, to Dan. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, hell yeah. Everything he's I'll talk to out. you about my favorite beer right now there. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like everybody has quality beer just to be in San Diego. That's, yeah. your, that's you know, that's your all, that's your buy-in. That's what you, that's your ticket to play. After that, that's where it gets a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to allocate? your funds to what, what do you want to focus on for us? It's marketing, connecting with the community, making sure what we do is on point. It's very important to have your business model intact before you jump all the way in, bro. Like for us, we, for a long time, we got fucked with like, you guys call yourself punk, but you're not a punk. And you know, listen, like, you know what? Well, for us, punk is like, we're doing whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Like we have, bro, we have Norteño night. 
you're a tall Viking. You have no fucking clue <laughs> what Norteño music is, bro. All right? You, you just introduced me to a guy named Waylon Jennings. All right, bro? I don't know if like Waylon Jennings is, bro, but I listened to him. I was like, all right, that's He's like- He's the Norteño white people, I feel bro. like Waylon Jennings is like Chalino Sanchez, you know? But it's like He's a white Chalino, bro. Singing about smoking, you know drinking whiskey, saying? two you know? firm women. Like for, uh, for me, and my vision has been this, what is punk? Punk is doing whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Punk is doing whatever I feel works mm. for me at that time. Yep. And what works here- is being eclectic, being different. Chula Vista is very diverse. It's it's not one demographic. It's a lot of demographics put into like, a, a, you know. So for us, it works. We were always like, oh, you guys are trying to be like Falls. Like, in all honesty, we're not. Like, we're we're three punk from Chula Vista. Yeah. Like, if you come in here, you'll know immediately we're not Fall Brewing. Mm-hmm. If you go to Fall Brewing, you'll know immediately, okay, these guys, <laughs> three punk is not trying to be like these guys. Like, you guys have perfected what you guys are doing, and it's awesome. And I feel like we're on our way to perfecting what we're doing, and it's fucking awesome. There's it's plenty it, for all, man. Go ahead. Oh man, I want to kill you with this pour. <laughs> <laughs> Waylon Jennings Jr. Thank you, Brian Vaughn, for coming in. Oh wait, my favorite beer at fall. It's with the unicorn. What unicorn stampede? No, it's like a what is it? Fuck, not two a.m. bike ride. Oh, the nuclear strategy. Oh, bro, nuclear strategy <laughs> is my favorite hey, bro, I fucking a beer. Is me too. Is is my favorite beer from Fall Brewing, dog. That's awesome. I'm happy no, you came work, in today. I'll work on the emo brown discount. I'll work on bringing that back. Don't, don't work on it. Just get it done, bro. You're a member now. <laughs> All right, you're a Mexican now, bro. By you know by proxy. So just let's get it done. Talk to Dave. Tell him I don't. How much is a, a pint right now at Fall Brewing? Six or seven bucks. Six or seven dollars. I want it for five dollars, Dave. Here's my card. Let's make it happen. Where's the money go, Steve? The children's. The Emo Brown Foundation. <sighs> what you don't like, kids? Dave Lively. <laughs> what you don't like, <laughs> children? <laughs> He's got three, man. They're great. There it is. <laughs> then it should be an easy sell, Brian Vong. <laughs> Brian Vong, aka Waylon Jennings. Thank you for coming in. You, I have a feeling we're gonna meet again, I and so. we're gonna have you on again and give us updates and everything that's going on in Fall Brewing, bro. What I mean this sincerely when I say you guys are my favorite brewery. It means a lot. I, I I love drinking their beer. I can't say that about a lot of places, Burton. I can only say that about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, bro. Thank you. Any last words for all of your fans in this industry of ours? He's got a lot of them. Yeah, man. Just take care of yourselves. That's oh, it. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Fucking boring. 